This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Thursday, November 30th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about legendary action director John Woo. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor and chief film critic Chris Evangelista. Hi. So, Chris, it's Thursday. That means it's time to do one of our sort of uh, pull back the curtain uh, breakdown episodes of how a certain list or feature comes together on SlashFilm.com. And you are writing an article right now called John Woo's Hollywood Films Ranked, including Silent Night. So John Woo has this new movie coming out uh, as you're listening to this. It may be in theaters already called Silent Night, which stars Joel Kinnaman. And so it's a good opportunity to celebrate his work and talk about him as a, film, as a filmmaker. Um, because I don't know about you, Chris, I kind of feel like John Woo might be one of the most influential directors of the 20th century. Do you think that's uh, an exaggeration or do you think there's something to that? I mean, I definitely think he's he's like one of the most influential action directors of, of all time. So I don't think it's it's outrageous to say that he's definitely one of the most influential. He's, you know, he... He, you know, uh, sort of gave, he, he didn't create the gun fu genre, but he certainly made it what it is. You know, he made it popular. He made it what people think of when they think of gun fu. People like, like the John Wick movies do not exist without John Woo, basically. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So like, what is it in your estimation that makes John Woo um, an interesting or special filmmaker? He just has such a unique way of, of staging action. I'm... Uh, this sounds very reductive or very like simplistic, but it just looks really cool. It just looks like he just has, does a great job of making action look amazingly cool. And he's not really concerned with realism and physics. Like uh, it's, you know, his action scenes aren't really tied to the laws of physics, you know, the way, <laughs> the, what, the way people move and the way guns fire and the, the, you know, they're very balletic. They're, they're like a dance almost. And, uh, he he manages to pull that off. I feel like anyone else trying that, it would look, it would just look silly. But something about the way he does it makes it. Uh, I don't want to say believable because it's not. It doesn't. You know, it's not realistic, but it's believable in the world of the film he's creating. I guess is is a way to put it. Yeah, yeah. It's like super heightened and very stylized. A lot of slow motion. A lot of like. Uh, you know, obviously his trademark is the flying doves. Um, and then there's like 
you know, sort of uh, the image that immediately pops into mind when I think about John Woo as a director is Chow Yun-Fat sort of like half sliding down a banister with dual pistols just blasting away. And like, yeah, yeah, there's just something that, um, you know, we hadn't really seen things like that before. Or, or, you know, we we had seen things like that before, but we had not seen them uh, presented to us in this in quite this way. Um, And I think, yeah, he just like, you know, when you think about the the um, influence, the impact that John Woo has had as a director, can you think of some place? I mean, you mentioned John Wick. I think that's a great one to start with. Uh, can you mention some places, some filmmakers, some some uh, movies where you've seen his influence pop up? Uh, John Wick is the biggest one. Really, any action film, I think, of the last like 20 years or maybe 30 years even at this point owes a debt if it's if it's a memorable action film it owes a debt to john woo and what he's done um uh, anytime there's someone like firing two guns or or <laughs> moving in slow motion or you know just the, it's 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 all harkens back to what he, he did in in films like uh the killer and hard boil and stuff like that like those are like iconic action movies mm-hmm. and if like I, I, I don't want to say every action movie ever made you know owes a debt to him, but it, it's it's damn near close that every action movie of the last two decades or so owes a lot to what John Woo did in, in you know his Hong Kong films and eventually his Hollywood films. I was also thinking about the video game Max Payne. Did you ever play that game? Are you familiar with that at all? I'm familiar with the awful Mark Wahlberg movie. I've never played the game. <laughs> the game has like a, essentially like a bullet time type of feature. And that's another thing too. Like the Matrix, I think, is yeah. is uh, heavily influenced by the, the movies of John Woo. But like that's another deal where like, you know, the, the main character in the Max Payne game can like dive sideways and fire two guns at the same time. And like, actually, I believe there was a John Woo game, uh, like a hard boiled themed game that came out in the aftermath of the Max Payne games. So anyway, my point being that this is spread beyond just the, his influence is spread beyond just uh, the realm of movies. It's gone out into video games and other things as well. The, the movies that I was thinking of, Chris, that like I can clearly see the stamps of, uh, John Woo's um, impact is uh, Point Break and oh, The yeah. Matrix and Robert Rodriguez's um, El Mariachi and Desperado. Those movies feel very indebted to the to the work of Wu. And then, um, like intern or I'm sorry, Infernal Affairs. Uh, not so much in like the two you know guy diving with two handguns kind of thing, but but more in like the the themes that um, Wu seems to be interested in as a director, which is like brotherhood and honor and sacrifice and yeah, uh, you know things like that. Th- those it's, kinds it's of like, ideas pop up over and over again in his work. It's like melodrama, and I don't say that in like a derivative way. It's just they're they're like melodramas that just happen to have amazing action in them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so before we get into his Hollywood movies, um, I was curious about like your familiarity with his Hong Kong career because he has directed a bunch, or he he did direct a bunch of movies in Hong Kong. He sort of made the leap to Hollywood, and then he interestingly went back to Hong Kong and now he's back again with Silent Night. Um, so wh- how, how many of those movies have you seen? I've, I have not seen many. I think I've seen four total. How, how many of those? I have not. Seen? I'm like embarrassed to say I've seen The Killer. I've seen Hard Boiled. And I saw a 2017 film he did called Manhunt. Uh, I saw that at, like it played at TIFF one year and I saw it there. And uh, so I am by no means a John Woo. I don't want to think I'm like a John Woo expert or something like that because I am absolutely not. I, I, 
I've seen all his Hollywood movies, but I have not seen, you know, where he got his all of his Hong Kong films. Yeah. So I've seen the big ones, but that's it. Yeah, I saw um, A Better Tomorrow 1 and 2 uh, many, many years ago. And those movies are just like, talk about the style. Like Chow, Yun, Chow Yun-Fat like is just uh, dripping with cool in those movies. And like the idea of... Um, I think he's like chewing on a uh, on a match at one point in in those films and like that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. There's just yeah. You're you you said you didn't want to be reductive, but there just is something so friggin' cool about the way that John Woo stages things and and his framing and the way that he he moves the camera and everything. So uh, that movie had like a huge impact on like not only uh, action filmmaking but like the world of like the the style fashion world and stuff as well. Um, but yeah, hard boiled and the killer. Which of those movies do you like more? Because they're they're very similar in that they're like high octane action movies, but um, they're kind of different movies in in a way too. Uh, wh- which of those do you prefer? I think I like uh, Hard Boiled more. I th- I think I, I, I um of the two, just Hard Boiled is like such a it's such a vibe as the kids say. Like right from the opening shot where uh, Chan Fat is like slamming down like a tequila slammer on the bar, and he's like it's like. This, you hear the sound effects and just like, oh, hell yeah, this is going to be awesome. Like right from the start, you're just like, this is going to be so cool. So I, I, if I had to pick, I would probably go with with uh, Hard Boiled. I think I prefer moments in Hard Boiled. I think that the peaks are higher in Hard Boiled. I think I like the killer a little bit that like barely edges it out overall as like a, an overall experience for me just because that movie is much more like the um, – the sort of uh, back and forth between the hero and the villain. And there's a, uh, a love triangle sort of element to it. And um, it's much more melodramatic in my view. Um, and I think him leaning into that is there's just something entertaining, like super entertaining about that. Um, but man, hard boiled, like especially the, uh, the hospital shootout at the end of that. And, and there's like that, that famous uh, long take where like the characters get in an elevator and then they come out and they're just blasting away, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can see, I mean, that, that is like, if you're looking for sort of ground zero for, um, or, or maybe the, maybe ground zero is the wrong term, but like the, the most, uh, the most ripped off elements of, um, of a John Woo experience, just check out that hard boiled hospital sequence because that long take, I feel like has influenced everything, you know, not, not just the stuff that we've mentioned, but also like any action long, you know, atomic blonde, the, the, uh, Charlie's Theron going out into the, um, into the stairway and like that kind of thing. Uh, it just all feels so indebted to what Woo did. So, um, anyway, he's a a terrific director and, uh, I'm excited to see, what you think about his American movies. Cause there are some good ones in here and there are some kind of misses in, in my estimation. So yeah. uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about John Woo's Hollywood films. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Okay, Chris. So I, I don't, I'm just kind of want to toss the ball to you here and let you uh, guide this conversation because, I, I, you know, as, as we've done in previous episodes of this podcast, we're going to give away the whole list here. Uh, and I encourage people to actually go to slash film and click on it and, and read the uh, descriptions and stuff like that too. But, um, but just walk me through where you're starting with like what you think Wu's, uh, let's start with the, the worst, what you think his worst Hollywood movie is and tell me why. So the probably at the bottom of the barrel would be paycheck, which is, uh, a movie that came in the early two thousands when Ben Affleck was doing all these really terrible movies. <laughs> Like, I, I feel like Ben Affleck's career is in a, a really good place right now. You know, he's a, a award-winning director and he doesn't do as much crap anymore. Like, he seems to only do what he wants to do. But there was that period where him and, and Matt Damon were making, like, everything. and They were everywhere. And all the movies were, like, like either hit or miss. And Paycheck is just a very forgettable sci-fi Philip K. Dick adaptation. It's just, it's, like... I've seen this movie twice. I saw it when it came out and I saw it again uh, about a year ago. I was like, let me give it another chance. And I honestly can't tell you anything about it. I, <laughs> it's so forgettable. Like Ben Affleck, he gets his memory erased and he has to remember all this stuff. And he's got an envelope full of clues and it, it's, it, it should work. And it just doesn't. And the action, the action isn't even that like memorable, which is like, like the one thing you really want from a John Wick movie. And it's like, eh, this is, this is not great. Yeah, I remember people being extremely disappointed with this. Uh, and this was his most recent American movie uh, since or, or before Silent Night. Um, so this was 2003. So that's 20 years ago. And he took, I, I guess that, that says a lot about this movie. It was so um, disappointing that he took a 20-year break from Hollywood, basically, before he came back. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much to add. I've seen this, but I, I think I saw it in theaters at the time and just like straight up don't remember a bunch of it. I was just looking, I was scrolling through the Wikipedia page and it says uh, Ben Affleck as Michael Jennings, a reverse engineer. Like, I, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what the world that you have set up here is. But uh, yeah, it really is not still bouncing around in my head. So um, what would you say? Let's see, there are what, seven uh, yeah. Hollywood movies from John Woo. So what would you say the number, your number six would be? Uh, number six, I have uh, Wind Talkers, which is his World War II movie with Nicolas Cage. Uh, and, you know, this should be good. It's it's trying to tell a different type of World War II movie. It's about Navajo code talkers. Um, during World War II, uh, Navajo people were used to, you know, have have secret codes that the Nazis and, and the, you know, they could not crack. Mm-hmm. And th- that's a cool, unexplored thing for films. But the movie is just kind of, uh, and the the Navajo Kotakers feel like an uh, like a afterthought in the in the movie, and the movie should really be about them. Like it's more about Nicolas Cage as the guy who's like tasked with watching over them, and Nick, even Nicolas Cage is like sleepy in this movie. It's like not your your typical Nick Cage performance where you're like, ah, oh, he's going crazy. He's just like there. Mm. He just seems kind of bored. Everything about this movie seems boring. <laughs> it's just it's not. 
you know, I give Jawu props for trying something different. Like this doesn't seem like his normal type of movie, but it didn't work out. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I never saw this one, but it seems more like a, you know, a war movie. And that doesn't really lend itself well to the kind of like, um, what would you call them? Like iconoclastic, like uh, almost like lethal weapon type of character, you know, guys who are just going to like go rogue and do their own thing and like don't play by the rules and stuff like that. You know, I feel like there's a little bit of that influence uh, that has spilled out from Wu's work as well. Um, and yeah, Wind Talkers just doesn't seem like Nick Cage is like going to go ham on a group of soldiers by himself or whatever, yeah. which, yeah, so I guess, I guess that is him working in sort of a different mode. Um, but uh, but yeah, unfortunately, it sounds like it, it didn't really work out too well. So um, did you rewatch this movie uh, for for this list, Chris? When was the last time you saw Wind Talkers? No, I saw Wind Talkers when it came out. I saw it in theaters and I haven't seen it since. Okay. I was going to ask what your favorite support. Uh, supporting performance was because it looked I was just looking at the cast and like Adam Beach Peter Stormar Noah Emmerich Mark Ruffalo Christian Slater like there are some good people in here Francis O'Connor Jason Isaacs um, I was just wondering if anybody else stood out but yeah I, I never even saw this one so I can't really offer much comment there um, okay let's go to number five what, what's your number five pick number five would be the newest one and that's Silent Night which is not a bad movie it's just kind of it's it's missing a spark um Everything about this movie sounds really cool. It's it's a it's supposedly a Christmas action movie, and there's no dialogue, and you know that sounds cool. It sounds like a really cool premise, but the Christmas stuff is like a complete afterthought here. Like there's like not really a lot of Christmas iconography, and I'm not saying I needed like Christmas trees in every scene or something like that, but it's like if you're gonna set your movie during Christmas and call it Silent Night, you better like ramp up the the Christmas atmosphere just a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's not really there at all. And uh, the no dialogue thing kind of backfires because it makes everything, it holds everything in the movie at like a distance. Like, like, you know, obviously I know, you know, there, there's a wealth of silent movies out there and you don't need dialogue to uh, make a film, but uh, it's just, it, it because they're, the main character never says a word, it makes him kind of like, aloof and we never really get inside who he is and what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing. He's just like a guy on revenge. And this is like a, just a riff on death wish. You know, his son gets killed. He plans on getting revenge. Um, Do other people talk in the movie? No, no one. There's the only voice. The only voices you hear are over the radio. Like there's a radio DJ at one point. And then there's like a a police radio. Other than that, no one talks, which is, and they, I guess that's handled. pretty well like it's it never feels like they're forcing it like the way they go the way John Woo goes about you know keeping the film dialogue free mostly works it's it's so like I said this isn't a this isn't bad it's just kind of like like oh John Woo back in Hollywood I was expect I guess I was just expecting something better you know the action is good it's just not he can he can do better <laughs> yeah yeah I was gonna ask how the action was because that's the big thing I mean especially after a 20-year delay I feel like that's the big question that people want answered is like does it feel like he's back and like, you know, um, reestablishing himself as a master of this uh, genre or like an action maestro again and like showing the young whippersnappers how it's done and all that kind of stuff? Like, how would you say the action compares to uh, because I know that he's like he worked with the John Wick uh, stunt team. I think 8711 is is the name of the company um, on this movie. So like, how would you say the action stands up to, um, I guess, contemporary action movies? It's, it's pretty solid. It's, it's, I won't say that there's like a ton of like, Oh, that was the most memorable action scene. But as I was watching it, I was entertained by the action. I wasn't like, this is dull. Like it looks really cool. And there's like really cool 
transitions. Like there's one part where like a character is crying and like a tear rolls down her cheek and then it match cuts to a bullet falling on the ground. I was like, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Give me something like that. So stuff like that, you know, works, but okay. it's, it's, it's just, it could be better. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's go to number four. Broken Arrow, which is, a, I feel like this is a movie no one remembers. And I, I kind of love Broken Arrow because it's very silly. Uh, John Travolta is just hamming it up. He's having so much fun playing a bad guy in this. And he's just really hammy. And uh, <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say like Broken Arrow is a good movie. It's because it's, it's stupid. But man, is it, <laughs> is it fun to watch? And like, this feels like of all his Hollywood movies, this feels like one that's like rife for rediscovery. Like people should like give this another chance and check it out. Cause like, I feel like it would hold up even better now compared to like it did back, back in the nineties, just cause we'd be like nostalgic for this era of, of John Woo working with John Travolta and making big, silly action movies. It's about like uh, nuclear weapons or something, isn't it? Yeah. John Travolta is a, uh, an air force pilot who goes rogue and he steals two nuclear weapons. And Christian Slater is his uh, former uh, friend who has to try and stop him. And they're like out in the desert and uh, there's a lot of trains and, and things explode <laughs> a lot. It's just, it's a fun movie. I get this one confused with executive decision. The, the Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal movie. That's a fun movie too. I like that movie. That They both came out in 1996 and I feel like they both are like heavily rely on airplanes or air travel in some way. Like I think, yeah. I think executive decision is set primarily on a plane, but yeah, it is. broken arrow I thought there was like a lot of plane action in that one too. And I just, there must've been something in the air in 1996 for, uh, for these like, you know, uh, I guess chiseled looking white guys, John Travolta, Kurt Russell, Christian Slater, all these people, uh, just jumping on planes and going crazy. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's get to number three. Mission Impossible 2, which I know has a bad rap. A lot of people hold this up as like the worst Mission Impossible movie, but I honestly think this holds up better than people. Some people think it does. Uh, it's not my favorite Mission Impossible movie by a long chalk, um, but it's got it's just got so much cool John Woo stuff in it. Like there's a part where Tom Cruise kicks a gun and it flies like straight up in the air in front of him, and he catches it and starts shooting it. And there's a part where two or, or Tom Cruise and and the villain are riding motorcycles at each other, and they both jump off their motorcycles and. They collide midair and like a bear hug. It's just really <laughs> goofy, goofy stuff that again, it's like it defies the laws of physics, but it looks so cool. Uh, and um, I, you know, I, I think this movie gets a bad rap and I think it's better than people hold, think it is. Uh, if people want more thoughts uh, from Chris and I on Mission Impossible, we did a whole podcast leading up to um, uh, Dead Reckoning where we ranked the entire Mission Impossible series. So if you're new to the podcast, go back and check that one out. It's a good good listen, I think. Um, Chris, this is another one where like, you know, he's running, Tom Cruise's character is running through that like underground bunker Actually, I think he he walks through the flames and like a single white dove flies through yes. there. And it's like, yep, that's John Woo, all right. Like, yeah. what, I, we didn't really talk about that. What do you think about that motif, uh, the flying doves being something that appears in practically every John Woo movie? I love it. Every time it happens, I'm just like, oh, this is, I love when this happens. Like there's a, <laughs> that, that one movie I mentioned that I saw at TIFF, uh, The Manhunt, there's a scene where there's a, there, there's like a car chase and it cuts to like, 
the, all these doves in cages being loaded into a truck. And the minute it happened, everyone in the audience just like went crazy. <laughs> They're like, yes, we know what's coming. We know the doves are coming. Oh, uh, awesome. So yeah, that, that <laughs> it might be worth it for me to just like try to find that scene on YouTube or something. I, yeah. I, I assume the, the truck just like explodes and the dove, doves go everywhere. Yeah, as, as far as I remember, that's <laughs> uh, pretty much what happens. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I'm very curious to see where you rank the top two because the, the movies that we have left from his Hollywood period are Face Off and Hard Target. Target. Um, Face Off, I think people probably know, at least have uh, a, a general familiarity with, like John Travolta, Nicolas Cage, taping, taking their faces off and putting them on the other. Like that has become, uh, that, that I feel like has some sort of cultural footprint. Hard Target, on the other hand, I feel like does not have very much of a cultural footprint. That one stars Jean-Claude Van Damme. And it's basically like, my memory of it is it's basically like uh, the most dangerous game, um, but like in Louisiana or something. So which of these movies do you like better, Chris? Or I guess uh, like least. What's your number two? Number two is Hard Target, which is this is John Woo's first American film. Um, it, it's notorious for having gone through a lot of cuts. Uh, he had to cut it up to get it down to an R rating. And also Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, being... Uh, the egotist that he is was unhappy that the film had a lot of focus on uh, Lance Hendrickson's villain character. And Lance Hendrickson is so good in this. He's just like going over the top as like this really evil, evil guy. And uh, there's a lot of scenes where there were a lot of scenes with Lance Hendrickson and Jean-Claude Van Damme was like, I, I want this to be more about my character. <laughs> I, you know, I want, I don't want. So, and he, he, you know, made cuts to make it less Lance Hendrickson and more, Van Damme. Um, there is a director's cut that recently came out on Blu-ray and, and it, it, it's great. Uh, but even without the director's cut, this is just a fun movie. I mean, it's number two, but it, it's it's a fun, uh, again, silly film. There's a part where Van Damme like, stands up on the back of a motorcycle while it's driving, which I'm pretty sure is impossible. Maybe you can only do it. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it just looks impossible. There's another part where like he punches a snake. It just... It's yeah. just <laughs> So like get you know anything like anytime that happens I'm like yes this is this is my kind of thing and like I said Lance Henderson is great. I love Lance Henderson he's a great character actor and he's he's very good at playing the, the lead villain here. Do you remember if the the new version the director's cut on Blu-ray if that um, sort of remedies some of those original like the idea of Van Damme having more screen time does it like restore Lance Henderson's screen time back to what it was originally intended to be or do you know if that's yeah, I, I don't know if it's like exactly as it would have been in you know John Woo's original cut but it it you know it definitely feels like a, a more complete movie it feels less it feels like you know there's a lot more Lance Henderson going on in the film okay and I just have to mention also that scene from uh, of uh, Wilford Brimley on horseback with the explosion going by this is like a famous gift do you know this Chris you know yeah. this image oh my god it's just like incredible if you see it out of context it's even better because it's just like Wilford Brimley riding a horse. It's just, it's so deranged. So uh, anyway, just Google Wilford Brimley gif uh, hard target riding, and you'll see. Horse. Yeah. And you'll, uses, you'll have some fun there. And Wilford Brimley uses like a really bad Cajun accent in the movie. So it's just like, it's a, <laughs> like icing on top of the cake. I mean, Van Damme is supposed to be a Cajun character too, but he's, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So number one then is face off. So tell me about face off, Chris, what, what's your relationship with this movie? Man, face off, face off is the first John Wood movie I saw and face off absolutely rules. It is the quintessential nineties action movie. It's Nick Cage, John Travolta, like the height of their careers. You know, Travolta was still in that, that, 
uh, glory period where he had made, just made his big comeback and he hadn't yet ruined it. It's <laughs> like crap. And yeah, this uh, is like pre battlefield earth or something. Right. right. <laughs> and Nick cage was like rising as this star, you know, this was the era when he did like, uh, the rock and stuff like that. So it was mm-hmm. like, Oh, Nick. And he had already won the Oscar. I think he won the Oscar for leaving Las Vegas at this point. So it was like Nick cage. He's, he's an up and comer, even though he'd been around for a while, he was like finally breaking into the mainstream. So this is these two guys at, at the the height of their careers, and they're just just going wild here. Uh, and the, the premise is just so ludicrous, where it's a uh, a lawman and his mortal enemies switching faces and also bodies somehow, and they switch <laughs> lives. And um, you know, you get like the best of the both world, both worlds, because at the beginning of the movie, Nick Cage is the villain, and he's over the top and crazy, and then through the rest of the movie, John Travolta becomes the villain. And then he gets to John Travolta is basically doing a Nicholas Cage impression. And he does a really good Nicholas Cage impression. He's like, mm-hmm. does a really good job channeling that manic Nick Cage energy. And, uh, the action in this is just glorious. There's so many shootouts. There's so many dubs. There's so many <laughs> things exploding. There's an amazing boat chase at the end where, the boat flies into the air and they fly off the boats and you can clearly tell it's their stunt men and not them. And you don't care. Cause it's so <laughs> cool. I just love face off so much. It's one of my favorite action movies. I just love it. So I, I think the, the real success of this movie comes down to the performances of those two leads because they do such a good job of impersonating the other or sort of like, inhabiting the essence of the other person um, because both of those guys, like you said, had been around a while and like the audience has a relationship or had a relationship with both of them going into this movie. So you knew Nick Cage's mannerisms. You knew what, um, what John Travolta liked to do as an actor and seeing the other guy bring those things to life was just so entertaining. And then also on top of it, you know, th- th- like just entertaining on a base level. And then you have like, all of the melodrama and like the heightened action and all the ridiculous stuff, you know, even more piled on top of it. So I, th- I feel like it's just kind of like an irresistible uh, thing because those two guys are so good. I was wondering if you knew anything about the um, the casting of this movie, Chris. Like, have you heard about the other pairings that uh, that were being tossed around at the time? Um, I believe at one point they really wanted to have Stallone and Schwarzenegger do it, which would yeah. have been amazing. But I I think the 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 final, like, I think the Nick Cage, John Travolta pairing is perfect, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. I would like to see the Stallone Schwarzenegger version. But I mean, maybe- like both of those guys were so, um, I, I, like, uh, j- jacked for lack of a better term, but like their body types are so different. Stallone, yeah. or I mean, Schwarzenegger is like, he towers over Stallone. And so I feel like the movie wouldn't have really worked as well because there's just such a physical difference between them. But I feel like even though there is certainly a physicality difference between uh, Cage and Travolta, like they kind of pull it off. Like the the body switch part that doesn't doesn't really make any sense. Like they kind of pull that off. And the the other um, pairings that I I read about were uh, Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford, which uh, I just I, I I don't think either one of them would be really equipped to lean into the ridiculousness very well. Like they, they both seem like guys who are a little bit more of like uh, straight shooters as actors. So I'm not yeah. sure if they would have been able to like make imbue the movie with the same sense of fun. And then Alec Baldwin and Bruce Willis. And I feel like they might've had a little something. They, they may have been a little yeah, bit I closer. Could, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad they ended up with the, uh, the um, pairing that they did. Uh, and there's another like 
movie with a great supporting cast like cch uh, cch pounders in this um joan allen um uh gina gershon like nick cassavetti's like the list just goes on john carroll lynch is in this for a second um so anyway great stuff there so uh i guess like closing thoughts about john woo chris like what do you hope from his career uh now that you've seen silent night and um what do you think yeah what what do you think his his legacy is going to be as a director I mean, his legacy is definitely just the most one of the most influential action movies of action filmmakers of all time. Like, like I said this already, but anytime there's a new action movie that's you know playing up that the coolness factor, they're they're definitely just taking it from him. And his legacy is just going to stand the test of time. He's like, even you know, he's got a lot of duds. I'm not going to sit here and tell you all his movies are great because they're absolutely not. But the movies that are good are just so good. They they fire on all cylinders. And like, I just feel like no one will ever forget face. Like how you're going to ever forget face off a movie where two guys swap faces and shoot <laughs> guns at each other. Like you can't, you can't forget that. That's, that's an unforgettable movie. So, uh, you know, he's 77 now. I hope he makes another, uh, you know, I don't think he, I haven't heard any plans that he's like retiring. Uh, I hope he does something else. I, and I hope it's better than silent night because I don't want that to be like his swan song. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I want, I want something bigger and better from him. And, you know, I, I'm not saying I want another face off, but I kind of want another face. You know, I'm not saying yeah. I want, <laughs> I want him to do a movie. That's like just as cool as face off again. Basically. Yeah. That's what I really want. So I, I, because like action movies have changed so much in, since he sort of like burst on the scene, I wonder if modern Hollywood would give him another chance to make a movie as bombastic as face off. Like silent night to me seems more like a gimmick movie. And, and it seems like relatively low budget and like, I don't know. Again, I haven't, I've not seen that movie yet, Um, but you have Chris. So like, it it just seems more uh, low key in, in the John Woo um, filmography. I wonder if like a place like Netflix would give him, or, you know, uh, Apple or Amazon, uh, one of these places that has just tons of money to spare. uh, Would you be interested in seeing a movie from him set up at one of those places where, uh, you know, there's been a history of, um, let's just say, lack of quality control yeah. <laughs> at a lot of those places. Um, would you like prefer to see John Woo get a hundred million dollars from Netflix to make another action extravaganza, or do you think that uh, it might actually be better for him in the long run to not have that experience? I mean, I don't know. I I'm oh, I'm up for that idea as long as they let him do his thing and not like impose the Netflix house style on the movie and make it look like friggin' red notice where, you know, as long as it looks like a John Woo movie, I'd be okay with that. But at the same time, you know, I, you know, his early films aren't huge budget movies and they, you know, they are amazing. So, uh, you know, there's, I feel like there's like a middle, see the problem is like mid budget movies don't exist anymore. And that's really what we need. We need a mid budget John Woo movie where action movie where, you know, it's, it can be high concept. It can be gimmicky. It can be whatever you want it to be, but, it doesn't have, it shouldn't have to be like a franchise starter. It shouldn't have to be, you know, it shouldn't have to fit into the mold of what action movies are today. Like I just want something more old school, I guess, because even like silent night, you could easily like market that as like, it's like John wick, even though that feels like blasphemy because John wick is ripping off John Woo. It's not the <laughs> other way around, but mm-hmm. that's you, you could easily market silent night that way. And I, 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 you know, I want something where it's like, marketed as like this is a john woo movie not you know that this not this is a gimmick movie 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we can hope. And uh, yeah, I guess check out Silent Night if you're interested in being like a, a John Woo completist. Like, would you recommend people see it, Chris? Is it like, does it have enough to to warrant, uh, you know, going out and checking it out in theaters? Or would you say like, wait for VOD or what What was your... Uh, I think if you're a fan of his work, you you could seek it out. You're not going to like, you're not going to be like, well, that was awful. Although I have seen some reviews that just downright hate it. I was more in the middle, but uh, I think if you like his movies, you'll probably enjoy somewhat what's going on here. You're not going to come out and be like, that was amazing, but you won't be like, that was a waste of my time either. Okay. So for a, a medium night at the movies, yes. check out Silent <laughs> Night. Amazing. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for doing this with me, Chris. I appreciate it. And um, you can find more about all the stuff that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilmDaily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site like this one. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Overcast, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link for that in the show notes. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.